In the spirit of reconciliation, the Separation Guide acknowledges the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders peoples today. Making the decision to separate from your partner is a daunting step for many women, particularly when there are children involved. While women worldwide are working towards equality, many studies report that mothers are still much more likely than fathers to experience significant career interruptions in order to attend to their family needs. So what happens when separation occurs? And what do women and men need to know about their separation? And how can they be financially empowered to ensure that financial needs are met after the divorce? That's what we'll be talking about today. Financial empowerment before, during and after separation. I'm Angela Harbinson, CEO and co-founder of The Separation Guide. In 2019, we launched an online guide for separation and divorce with an aim to be a starting point for a better separation. We've now helped over 100,000 people who have accessed the site for support and guidance. For those of you who are not familiar with the separation guide, the website includes videos, blogs, and other helpful resources, just like this podcast, to guide you on your legal, financial, and well-being throughout your separation. And don't worry, you don't have to be a lawyer to understand it. We've also grown a national network of other like-minded people, such as the two ladies I have with me here today. I welcome our network members, Kylie McDonald from Morgan's Financial in New South Wales and Selena James from Future Family Law in Brisbane. Now, Kylie McDonald is a principal investment advisor at Morgan's Financial and has nearly 30 years of experience in the financial services sector. Now, Kylie, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but she herself has actually been through a divorce and really understands what a difficult time it can be. Now, Kylie works with both individuals and corporate clients and has expertise in direct equity investment and wealth management. In a nutshell, she's able to help you understand what you need to survive and provide options for how to invest your money after the separation is finalised. Selena James is a lawyer and practice director with Future Family Law in North Brisbane. Selena has recently completed her graduate diploma of family dispute resolution and has worked in family law for matters all across Australia. She has experience in pre and post nuptial financial agreements in family law. And I'm also very pleased to report that she will be taking mediation bookings with the separation guide in the new year. Today, we're discussing the very important topic of financial empowerment now, just a note to our listeners, while we're using the words woman and mother in today's podcast, we do acknowledge that families take many forms and there are parents affected by the issues we're discussing who aren't women. The information contained in this podcast is relevant to any person going through separation who may have interrupted their career and earning capacity to take on that primary caregiving role. So let's start at the beginning. Our data tells us there are a lot of people out there who are thinking about separating right now. So Kylie, can I ask you, if we start from the perspective of a mother facing separation, what do you think are the most important considerations she should know when it comes to her finances? 
Thanks, Angela. Well, obviously, it's a, a really emotional time for all and um, easier said than done. However, it's really, really important to try and separate the financial from the emotional and, and child custody, if applicable. There are lots of questions to ask yourself, and this is where a professional advisor can, can assist. Questions like who will keep up the debt repayments? Uh, how will shared debts be divided? If you have kids, how will the financial costs of their upkeep be split? Things like will formal child support be necessary? If so, how much and at what intervals? Who will cover house-related payments, mortgage payments, utility payments? Uh, how will your joint savings be divided? How will you deal with tax? Um, it's really, really important to do a financial stock take and sort of list all of your assets, including home, car, superannuation, investments and joint debt. Having this information compiled in a central point and agreed to by the both of you will really assist when you engage mediators and or lawyers in the future. Thanks, Kylie. So, Selena. What do you think about um, what Kylie said there? There's a lot to lot to think about from that financial side. How, how could you help with that? Um, I think just by taking away the overwhelm, the points that Kylie has made um, are just so accurate as to what needs to be dealt with when you're separating from your partner and just acknowledging that there is a lot there. It can be very, very overwhelming. But the whole idea of getting some legal advice and getting legal and financial advice early can really help to break all of that down into bite-sized chunks. Um, so part of what we do as lawyers or what good family lawyers will do is um, create a little homework list. So we help um, people identify what's important and what order do we need to deal with it because all of those things don't need to be dealt with in that very first week after you separate. So it's all about compartmentalising and putting things into bite-sized pieces. But yeah, really important to get that advice early or even if you've got the luxury of getting that advice when you're just thinking about or contemplating the separation as well. Absolutely. And I really agree with you on bite-sized chunks. It's, it's such an emotional and overwhelming time for people um, just to be able to, to think of like the next one thing that you need to do. Uh, I think that's really, really great advice. So what if you have been someone who may have been caring for children for a number of years and you've, you've maybe stepped away from your career and therefore your earning capacity has changed? Um, what should you and used to ensure that your financial future is set after the separation? So that once again gets back to um, getting legal advice early. So we can set you on the path to an amicable separation and we can have a look at what's there. You know, it's really important for me to help um, my clients understand how will their financial situation works and then what it might look like in the event of separation. Um, so lawyers should be sitting down and running through all that with their clients and it doesn't need to be something that's completely overwhelming. Um, the idea is to try and break it down and explain it so that it's all um, easy to understand and then in plain English and then we develop a strategy as to how we can best get the settlement sorted um, in a way that they can hopefully have um, enough funds um, to move on and be financially independent in their future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it, it really does come back to understanding what 
what is in that asset pool or it's called a, a pool of assets. It's a term that not many people would be really familiar with, um, but really understanding what, what all those things are. Kylie, how can the financial advisor benefit a woman early on in the separation process? Um, when you're facing uh, separation or divorce, Angela, you want to sort of ensure that you can maintain the lifestyle that you're used to while also sort of strengthening your wealth over the long term. With professional help, uh, you'll be in a better position to, to do both of these things. We, we sort of provide objectivity. We sort of, we, we, we assist to make sense of things when they are just too overwhelming and we make uh, clients aware of their options. We, we also help to avoid emotionally driven decisions by introducing clear sort of researched and considered options for, for clients and for couples that are going through, uh, going through this difficult period. I was just going to say that is such a good point about the emotionally driven decisions. Um, just giving yourself a little bit of time to pause and stop before jumping in. Yeah, there's 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 lots of benefits. Um, you know, we can we can help clarify the current financial position, um, prioritize what what your financial goals and life goals are as you know as an independent person. Um, make sure that your you, your choices about your financial life are in 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 line with your personal values when they might not have been um, when you were part of a. Of a, of a couple. It's also really important to, to get some coaching and, and, and knowledge around financial literacy. And, and that's something that, um, uh, that, is, that is really important that an advisor, you know, assists with. Um, we help set new financial goals. Um, we look at superannuation and your retirement savings, and we see what's there and we, we help give clarity about what, what the future might look like. Um, and, and, and clarity around your options, uh, financial options like buying versus renting, and, and and all of those types of things. So, yeah, it's it there, there is a lot, um, and and as you said, work through them one by one. But when you've got someone holding your hand through the process and um, you know assisting you with it, it really does um, it really does make things a lot easier. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about the the emotional connection to the family home and quite often sort of put their hands up and say, I just want the family home. That's all I want. Um, I'd be interested to hear from each of you, or maybe Selena, you could um, talk on this one. How common is it that women uh, come in with um, an idea in their mind of, of what they want in the separation? Um, really common, actually. Um, I think there's an element of sentimental attachment that goes with the family home and also a, a sense of security and not, you know, not having to deal with big changes. Um, but as Kylie pointed out, um, sometimes keeping that family home is not going to be the best financial decision yeah. for their future. Um, and it's sometimes about making sure that they're not getting caught up in the emotional side of things and getting the right advice so that they can um, set up their post-separation finances in a way that's going to work best for them. And it's really, really common to hear, I've just got to keep the house. I don't want the superannuation. Mm -hmm. And they're really forgetting about their financial future because you can almost guarantee that when they go to retire, they're going to regret that decision to let the super go. Yeah, um, and certainly as lawyers, um, 
and the courts, if they're making a decision, even though we try and avoid that process if we can, are going to want to balance out the immediate needs with the long-term needs. So that's why lawyers can work with financial planners and clients all together to try and strategize, well, how can we make this asset pool work best for that particular person and be a bit future-focused? So dealing with the immediate needs as well as their future needs. Absolutely. You made a really good point around superannuation. And uh, I think you might have participated in my little spot poll to our network members across the country about this. Superannuation is one that a lot of people are not aware of. Um, and that's the reason we put it into the Q&A as a little pop up to sort of remind people that superannuation is part of that asset pool. Um, and our network members reported that in, in cases there's up on average 75% of matters actually include a split of superannuation. But there's a huge number of people out there that probably are not aware of it and are, are giving that money away, um, essentially. Um, particularly when there are, I guess, women that, as we've said earlier, have been out of the career um, for a period of time caring for children. And I, I think the difficulty there with superannuation um, sometimes, Angela, is that if the pool only has superannuation, if there's not any significant tangible assets like a home or significant shares or other assets that can be divided up, um, it then almost gets put into the too hard basket if one party has got all of the superannuation and there's nothing to allow the, the person that doesn't, doesn't have super to actually um, get some of that because they'll have to spend cash that they effectively don't have to get an order to get the split for their super. Um, so I do think it gets parked, but it's it's a really important one that um, separated parties need to give consideration to because there's obviously time limits that apply to um, property settlements, which mean that you could be giving away your retirement future. Yeah, it really is a matter of sitting down, as you say, with a financial expert and really doing the sums of you know, what is the value of the house and, and what is the value of, of our combined supers and how can that be? Um, what is the best thing for your future? So, um, Kylie, I'm just, I guess we're, we, we talk about things before you separate. So things that you might want to, to do before you actually make that move of saying, okay, I think it's time for us to move on. What about when you have actually separated and, and let's say you've moved into separate houses and you're in that period where, you know, you, it may be a, a temporary thing or it may be a permanent thing. What steps can someone who's not really had an active role in organising joint finances take to understand all the assets and debts that may be in their name? How can someone challenge a debt, for instance, that, that may be in their name? Um, it's a really important consideration, um, Angela, that particular issue. Um, from a legal perspective, I often get clients to um, quite early in the piece go and have a talk to their bank. So, for example, if there's um, accounts that are structured in a way that they've got joint authority, the bank's got to give copies of statements. So making an appointment with your bank manager or even just a clerk of the bank, they can sit down and go through and just explain what's been 
set up and what control and authority um, you've got. And you can get copies of statements and whatnot, which can be emailed or printed off for you. Um, the other really important um, resource is your MyGov. MyGov, if you've got access to your Centrelink, your child support, your ATO records, which means you can get access to your tax returns, um, you can get access to your superannuation balances. So if you're not sure where to start or what you might have, your bank and your MyGov account will have um, some really quick links as to what you might have in your actual control. Um, I know we're very much electronic these days. I, it used to be a case of we'll go to the filing cabinet and just start yeah. fishing through and seeing what you can get copies of because it might be relevant, it might be, it might not be, but um, trying to get an understanding of what's actually there, um, you, you've got to be a little bit um bit of an investigator to try and figure out what's happening. Um, another important piece of information that can help if you're not privy to the financials um, in the relationship is to find something that's got the accountant or the financial planner's name and address details on there because um, that can then lead us down the path of figuring out who we need to ask um, information from. Um, there's also like searches that you can do fairly cheap as well. Um, you can do an ASIC search by name to figure out what entities um, might be in the control of a person. And that's important quite often for both parties because it's not uncommon for, um, for example, uh, a wife to be made a director or secretary or shareholder of a company, but they've got no involvement or understanding in it. So it's about figuring out what's been created by the person controlling the finances and then getting an understanding of, of what's actually happening and getting copies of the relevant documents um, because that's all part of your disclosure process um, yeah. that we go through to figure out what's in the property pool. Um, so with the debts, um, if it's a, I think you said if there was a challenge to the yeah, debt. Was challenging the debt that might be in their name. So that depends on what the allegation is. So if it's a case that you've found a debt that's in your name and you know you didn't sign any paperwork and you think it might be fraudulently obtained, um, that's something you'd have to take to the police. But what I would suggest is get some legal advice on it first. But just generally, if you know you've got these debts, but they're just in your sole name, so you know you've got that legal responsibility for them, there is some reassurance in knowing that debts as well as assets are included in the property pool when we're looking at a final property settlement. So certainly if there is some assets or resources available that could uh, pay out that debt in final property settlement, that's something that you would explore when you're uh, working out your final settlement terms and it, you know we would work out where that is in priority and how we can actually pay it out or restructure it so that it's um, manageable for a party. Um, the other thing I often suggest to clients is if that debt's creating a real problem because they can't afford to service it because they've been cut off from the family income or something, Talk to the um, the bank or the financier because there's often hardship applications or payment arrangements that can be put in place if you let them know that you're going through a separation and your financial circumstances have changed. And it's usually you get a better outcome from financiers um, about management of debts if you don't let it go well into arrears as opposed to you just stop the payments because you're too embarrassed or worried what might happen to your credit rating. Um, it's easier to sort it out at the start than it is to unravel it when you've got thousands and thousands of dollars worth of arrears and penalties racked up. Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. 
So Selena, can you explain some of the options for families wanting to reach a financial agreement? Um, yeah, so there's lots of different ways. Obviously, we've got the separation guide, which is a um, great step for families um, that want to get an initial idea of, of um, an amicable settlement that they can do themselves. And there's some um, great referrals that can happen as part of that process as well. Um, legal advice and generally the way we try and, well, I know the way that I practice is to try and keep parties out of court um, as much as possible. It's, it's you know, never a good outcome on an emotional or financial level if we end up in the court process but unfortunately sometimes it's necessary for parties the big thing is getting organized so getting together your disclosure um, and the information about your financial circumstances your assets and your liabilities and your resources so getting all of that together that's part of what your lawyer is going to need to give you advice and you can keep your costs down if you're super organized with all of that um, with negotiations, um, it's really got to be an assessment of the conflict and who we're dealing with, not only in terms of the other party, but often um, their representation can be a big factor as to how things are resolved. In some circumstances, you've got two really settlement-focused lawyers that can get on the phone, have a couple of um, without prejudice calls and, and resolve it, and then we document it and it's done really easily. Um, I try not to get into correspondence warfare, as I call it, where there's just lots of letters going backwards and forwards. Um, it's generally more efficient if we can get parties to a mediation um, mediation is the process where you've got someone impartial and qualified to assist um, parties and their representatives if they choose to be um, represented um, with the, the goal of um, negotiating a settlement that um, both parties can live with. Um, and that's usually your most effective and, um, way to get a resolution of matters. And if mediation fails, then it might be that it, you know, it might need some court intervention or there might be some legal complexities that force it into the court process. But most matters can actually resolve without the need to um, go to court. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's certainly what we're seeing from um, the feedback from our network members and um, and certainly people going through the Q&A on the separation guide site. Uh, it's the majority of people are, are actually quite, they're triaged and through the questions are, are actually really suitable for, for mediation, which is a much more cost-effective way of going about it, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, great. Um, this one, I guess, is for you, Selena, as well. It's, I mean, the costs of separating. Everyone reads these stories about how expensive legal fees are. And generally, it's an unplanned expense. It's not something you've been saving up for for a long time. <laughs> um, what services or tools are out there that you can suggest for separ separating women that they might be able to look into to help keep their costs down? Um, look, there's a lot of, I actually um, use a company called Plenty Finance and I'm, I just want to say I'm not getting any kickbacks from them, but they're a specialist family law um, litigation lender. And the benefit of that service is if there's not 
financial resources, cash resources or something that's available for parties to use towards their legal fees, Plenty can actually um, provide them with a product um, so they approve a certain amount for a loan which the lawyer then sends their invoices and the client approves it and they only pay interest on what's actually drawn down and there's no repayments until the final settlement comes through. So it is a property settlement specific product but it's been really valuable for example where um, you might have someone who's got a good income and got control of the most of the assets and resources in their name but there's a definite claim for the other uh, party who doesn't have those same resources it just balances the power because all of a sudden they've got this ability to get good representation and pay that and a good lawyer is going to always do a cost-benefit analysis. So um, for me, it's really important for every client to sort of sit down with them and go, okay, well, this is what your potential range of settlements likely to be. This is what your cost range is going to be to actually get an outcome. And I'll just tell them at the outset, um, yes, we can help, but it's going to potentially cost you more in legal fees. So I wouldn't recommend you go down that path. Um, Or it might be that, you know, you might spend this, you'll get this potential range. So it could be viable or it could be, yeah, this is going to be a good return on investment. It's going to cost you this amount for legals, but we can say that you're definitely going to get this specific range. So it's worth your while. Um, If your lawyer's not doing that at the outset, Um, or early in proceedings with you, you've got to sort of wonder what's going on. And it should be happening regularly throughout the advice as well. Um, We should always be, you know, checking in and making sure that parties are just not paying, you know, for legal advice for the sake of getting legal advice. We don't want them in a position where um, they've got this outcome, they've had a win per se, but then all the money they get goes to the lawyers. There's just no point in doing that. It gives us lawyers a bad name. So um, just be mindful of all of that. In terms of immediate assistance, um, I know Centrelink can provide some emergency funding. I know there's a new um, package, I suppose you call it, for domestic violence assistance if you need to get out quite quickly. And I think it's a $5,000 grant to assist with rental bond or emergency accommodation and whatnot. So um, there's things like that. Also, a lot of your banks, um, if you go and talk to them about your circumstances, sometimes they can actually have uh, products that can assist like personal loans or um, credit cards that might help with you know, emergency immediate funding. Um, and, and those debts will be um, taken into account in any final property settlement as well. So, um, yeah, there's a few different ways that you can um, sort of fund things. But I think the really important point is, obviously, if you can get fixed fees from your lawyer and definitely fee transparency and that cost-benefit analysis that's regularly occurring so that you can actually weigh up, well, is it worth taking this path? And often there'll be a few different paths that we can take um, to manage a matter and they have, you know, different cost structures. So just being nice and transparent so that you can make an informed decision about which way you go with things and what battles you pick to fight. That's right. That's right. And I mean, that's, as you know, Selena is a big part about the network that we've created at the separation guide is about trying to find more like-minded lawyers like you um, who have that same ethos. And we are looking a lot of our um, members have fixed price and transparent fees. And and that's a, a big part of 
um, keeping costs down for people and giving people that reassurance when they go in because um, most people aren't speaking to a lawyer every day. It's the first thing that the first time they've maybe experienced it and it can feel a bit daunting at times. Yeah, and I think it should always, you know, that first meeting with a lawyer should always be obligation-free. I know I spoke to a client only recently and they said, oh, there was a lot of pressure. I've actually paid a retainer to another law firm because I felt pressured to actually do that. But I said, you should never feel pressured to um, retain someone. You should be comfortable with the advice and the person that you're actually working with. Um, you should never feel like you, you know, it's normal to have a policy of money and trust up front and whatnot for private practitioners, but there should never be pressure to engage. You know, that's a, a mutual working relationship of trust. So if it's starting with it, you have to sign this and you have to do it in this time frame, and you have to put money in. It's probably not getting off on the right foot and it might be that you need to, um, you know, broaden, um, broaden your scope of who's actually going to be working for you. Absolutely. Um, Kylie, I'm going to throw to you now. What sort of things should women try to avoid uh, in terms of their finances? Um, there's there's things called payday loans, um, and that's that's just essentially a high interest loan. Um, I, I would suggest taking on additional debt in your own name should be avoided where possible. Um, other things to avoid during separation and divorce, um, which is applicable to both men and women, obviously don't pass on getting legal advice. Uh, don't rely on advice from friends and family. Everyone's got a horror story. Um, mm -hmm. Avoid overspending in this period where you're trying to uh, trying to sort things out. And um, most importantly, um, don't lose sight on what's best for you and your children if you have them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're speaking from experience as well. It's that you know some of the things you need to prepare for in uh, in a separation. Okay, Selena, what would happen if a client came to you and there was evidence that they were maybe a victim of financial abuse? Can you maybe describe what financial abuse actually is and what it means? Yeah, um, I, and I think it's a really important one in terms of awareness because with family and domestic violence, what I commonly hear is, and when I ask the question of clients, has there been any family or domestic violence is, oh, well, they didn't hit me. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more than that. And it's really important um, that culturally we start to recognise that family and domestic violence is more than just physical violence. Um, the legislation recognises it as being more than just physical violence. And financial abuse is actually um, defined in most of the state legislation to include more um, you know financial abuse as well so that can include just to give some examples um, controlling monitoring or limiting ac limiting access to finances um, asking for passwords for online banking or Centrelink and controlling those accounts um, taking control of pensions benefits employment income taking away bank cards or access to personal accounts you know, placing all of the assets in, um, I'll say, the perpetrator's name and placing all the debts in the victim's name, so structuring things so that all of the, the financial risk is placed with one person and all of the rewards, the assets are placed in 
the you know the abuser's name um, and the other thing to sort of look out for is when someone's being sort of evasive or lying or hiding income or cash resources from the other parties so there's sort of some sort of key um, indicators that there might be um, financial abuse going yeah. on yeah absolutely I think it's really important for people to understand what they are because until someone says that you might not even realize that that's happening to you uh, we actually do and, and that's it. often the case because you'll give an example like you know you, if you say family and domestic violence it kind of you know, people think physical, but when you start yeah. talking through or you might be having a conversation with someone and they start explaining this behaviour or, you know, you'll say, well, how were the, how were the finances managed in the relationship? And they'll be go, oh, well, um, he just had control of everything and I let him and um, I never really got money to spend on clothes or if I did, then, you know, he'd go through the bank statements and then I'd get abused because I spent too much money on an item. Those types of things are red flags for financial abuse. Yeah, absolutely. We actually have a, another podcast in our series, which is on that very topic. So um, please, if this is something that you are listening to and experiencing, uh, jump onto that one. There's some really wonderful advice on there. Let's move on now, Kylie, and talk a bit to you about budgeting. If you're not a really great budgeter, what, what's some advice that you might give for women on how to prepare and, and what things they should put in their budget? Before, yeah, before a divorce settlement, Angela, you, you really need to have uh, an idea of your past and future expenses. Um, this will obviously help you create a realistic financial goal. Um, when I'm working with clients who are, who are going through this process, um, I use a worksheet to visualise and calculate past and expected monthly outlay. The areas to consider include uh, house and land, uh, transport, insurance and money, technology, personal needs and lifestyle and, and, and kid-related kid expenses. Mapping out your budget is crucial um, as you aim for the divorce settlement that you want. You need to set aside your emotions and what's happened in the past, focus on the current and start planning your future. Obviously, for those um, uh, financially unable to engage a financial advisor in this process, there is lots and lots of um, free resources online. For those that are looking for some information about financial advice, pop onto the separationguide.com.au website and there are a few free resources that you can access from there. Kylie, what sort of things should women make sure they are across? How do they plan for their future? Really, the, the number one thing that, that women um, are concerned about when they, when they chat to me in the process of separation and divorce is their financial security and, and independence. They, they really want clarity around whether or not they're going to have enough to get by on their own. Um, and, and, and women obviously are especially vulnerable because often they um, you know, have, have, have not had the, the income um, or don't have the superannuation that perhaps their partner may have accrued um, during the time of, of um, uh, bringing up children. Um, Forbes wrote a really good article recently um, about uh, the six nasty surprises that um, women often encounter during this process, um, they were things like they were unaware of the total size of the marital debt, like home loan, lines of credit, auto financing, credit cards, that type of thing. 
not anticipating that they would um, maybe have to return to the workforce after spending many years raising the children. Um, uh, the assumption that that child support would be higher or, or last for a lot longer, and also the assumption which we've touched on um, that they would be able to keep the marital home. Um, staggering costs of insurances and 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 underestimating the costs of um of getting a divorce so yeah lot, lots of things to think about um and and applicable to to both males and females yeah absolutely there there are so many things um you really need to be aware of aren't there it's um i guess shows the importance of getting the right advice um and making sure you're across it what are some of the main financial goals that you notice people have when divorcing Kylie? Budgeting is, is super important. You've got, to, you've got to budget for your new circumstances. Perhaps people don't realise the important of, uh, importance of that. Um, we have spoken about those those costs that they that they weren't um, uh, that they were just used to being paid um, that, that that they now are going to have to find the funds for. So we 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 talk um, with clients going through this uh, about an income plan to try and improve their cash flow um, and 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 strategies for efficient use of 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 the income that they do have, and then any surplus income that they've got, we then use that to create wealth and create a nest egg for for their future determining your, your debt needs how much you can borrow uh, I personally you know had an issue with 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 the banks um, they 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 look very differently on a, on a female who is divorced with with many children um, and and I didn't realize that this may may be the case so so um, getting getting a home loan uh, as a as a as a divorced female with with a, with a family is 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 a lot more difficult when you haven't got two incomes uh, on the, on that application. So um, it's just being aware of, of things not um, perhaps being uh, as easily, um, uh, as easy to get as, as they were perhaps when you were within a marriage. So, so you've got to know what your debt needs are and how much you can borrow. Um, you, you've got to evaluate um, the risks, um, make sure that if you can, you've got insurances to cover you should something happen to you in the future to make sure that that, that your kids are looked after. What kind so, of insurances do you mean there, Kylie? Oh, look, life insurances and, and um, income insurances. So uh, um, you, you want to make sure that if something does happen to you as a, as a um, a single person and you've got dependents that that they're, they're going to be um, looked after and depending on your age and we are seeing a lot of women in in the more advanced stages of life um, uh, who are approaching retirement you know we we, we have to do a, we have to plan for that retirement and mm-hmm. make sure that they can achieve what it is they um, they are that they're after. Um, so we look at levels of, of income needed for retirement assets um, to provide that sort of income and 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 help you know achieve and sustain the lifestyle that that, that you require. And then of course there's estate planning for for um, those in their sort of 60s and and 70s. Um, um, you want to make sure that 
your assets are, are, are going to the right people in the right places in the event of your of, of your passing. So um, wills and things like that need to be uh, thought about and changed when when you divorce, um, and and that's something that um, that the lawyers can can definitely assist with. Yeah, absolutely. No, some really great points there, and. Yeah, it's so true. There are there are different things you really need to consider at, at different age brackets in your life. Um, so that's a great point. Thank you. I think one of the, the positives that can come out of separation is the ability to potentially restructure your finances because you're being forced to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, People do get a bit yeah. lazy. You know, finances is only something you put to the back of the pile sometimes. It's just a set and forget. But that that is a good point of having that chance to reevaluate and definitely and it's something you know when we're getting close to a um, a settlement that's the point where you've got a bit of an idea of where you're going and we say look can you go and talk to your financial planner and just make sure this is actually going to work for you if you're getting these particular assets and this potential cash range and super range. Um, but the thing that accountants and financial planners can do is look at the way that everything's going to be structured and there's sometimes potential to do that better that will work better for the parties. Um, so it's really important to be collaborative with other experts when you're getting to that pointy end of your property settlement. Kylie, this one might be a good one for you. Um, what What is the difference between what advice you might get from a financial advisor versus what you might get from an accountant? Um, an accountant will, will, will assist in giving advice about potential uh, tax implications of, of, a, of, of a settlement um, being finalised. Uh, tax advice is, is not something that, that financial planners and advisors tend to, tend to give. So an accountant will definitely be able to look at the tax implications of, of certain decisions before a financial settlement is, um, is, is completed. A planner or an advisor can assist with things like super superannuation splitting, um, you know, uh, retirement planning, uh, projecting what what the future looks like once you've decided on what the what the split of the of the pool is, and just giving some clarity around what the future looks like um, now that you're, you're you're operating as an independent person. Mm, it's a really um really important thing to get right, and I know. Speaking with a financial advisor myself once, we sort of set what the future you wanted to have and then sort of worked backwards from that of what you actually need on a day-to-day -day level to get to that, that point. And I think that would be really useful if you are in that separation process to, to know what reality looks like in that future and, and get that good advice up front before everything is settled. So we, we touched on retirement and, and things there as well. Are there any special things that divorced women need to consider to save for retirement and to plan for their future, Kylie? There, there's many things that, that, that we take into consideration. Uh, as, as you said, you talk about your goals and objectives with a financial planner. You know, we, we have to be honest about whether or not those goals and objectives are achievable, um, but we provide a plan to, to, to head in that direction. Um, and it also gives you um, some clarity around, you know, whether or not you think um, 
what you would like to occur is 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 actually possible. And we did touch on uh, females often coming into separation and divorce, saying, "I just want the house." Um, we we sometimes have to have difficult conversations around those types of um, those types of, of of ideas because um, often a lot of um, a, a family's uh, equity is tied up in the house, and often that 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 equity needs to be realised in order for them to have a base to to uh, take their, their futures forward independently. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, what other advice or holistic support do you suggest that women should obtain to ultimately in, reach that financial empowerment? I, I, I talk to, to, to clients about separating the emotional, the kids and the financial. They're three very different areas and you've got to try and, I know it's hard, but you've got to try and keep them separate from each other. Too many times I've I've seen uh, the children being used in chess pieces for a financial settlement um, and, and that makes things, you know, really, really uh, tricky for for all involved, you know, get support from a professional for the emotional and definitely the legal. Um, if you've got kids, put their needs first and also get assistance with um, with the financial side of things. When you are engaging professionals in these areas, it's really important that they are a good fit um, and that they're non-judgmental and that they use plain language and that they listen to you, you know, so it may take a couple of um, tries to, to find professionals uh, in those areas that you um, identify with. Mm, yeah, great point. Uh, I might ask this one, uh, Selena, of you. Um, what steps can women take when their former partner does not meet their financial obligations, such as child support payments? So child support, um, the child support agency has quite extensive powers in terms of recovering payments. So my advice generally is that make sure you lodge your for your assessment early. And even if you agree initially to have a private arrangement between yourselves, if you find that there's starting to be a pattern of non-payment or late payment, sometimes it's just easier to get the child support agency to collect and monitor things on your behalf. So you don't pay any extra for them to do that. It just takes the stress and worry away to let the agency manage that for you and then the payments just go into your account and if they're missed um, they'll chase up the arrears for you so with child support you know it's always best if you in the first instance let the the agency take care of that for you it can minimize some of the worry and stress that might be you know sitting there um, in relation to that one. Sometimes there is the ability to uh, seek spousal maintenance. Always best to get some legal advice before um, you go down that avenue. There's some um, complexities with spousal maintenance. Unfortunately, doesn't have um, a government-supported agency that will deal with that for you. It does have to go through the court system if it's not um, voluntary. But the other important thing is really just getting an understanding of what assets and resources you actually have um, and sometimes taking control of that, you know, get some advice from a lawyer if you're 
finding that there's been a bit of controlling behaviour happening with the finances and you're potentially being drip fed or not getting the support that you need to keep living in the interim period, get some advice around that to see what you can actually do and what your options are. So first point is to get find out what, as much as you can about what you've got and then there might be some action that can be taken to give a bit more financial security with the resources that are already there. Great. Yeah, great advice. I want to ask you now, each individually, what would you say is the biggest piece of advice that you can share with our audience to support them in achieving financial independence? Um, yeah, in, in, in marriages, it's generally seen that a single person takes care of every aspect of personal finance. Um, and, and often the other partner does not look seriously at, at, at that area. My advice to all women, um, both married and unmarried, is pay attention um, 100%. The, the partner who doesn't pay attention to finances during a marriage typically needs um, help to become financially independent after divorce. So, yeah, 100%, you know, try, try and get across what is happening. Um, look and read uh, prior to signing anything and 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 really you know you, you should really have uh, an idea of of any assets that are in joint names any any companies and uh, you know directorships that you hold um, and ask questions um, 100% just pay attention to the finances um, as best you can yeah fantastic advice Fantastic advice. And what about you, Selena? What, what, what nugget of advice can you leave with people today? <laughs> I actually had a very similar point to Kylie and just expanding on that a little bit further, I would just say trust your gut instincts for little red flags when it comes to finances. If something doesn't feel right, and that might be things like is the other person being really cagey or evasive around financial conversations? If you start asking questions, are they being a bit funny about it? Or do they regularly forget their wallet? Or is there pressure? Are you feeling pressure to do something that just doesn't feel comfortable for you? Just watch for the red flags. And if you're getting lots of those, get some advice about it. But my key takeaway point really is knowledge is power. Just um, And you, you're never too old to start learning about things or getting new skills or having an understanding of what's going on. Um, it can feel incredibly daunting and intimidating at first, but I just believe that everyone has that capacity to develop and learn if they're interested in doing so. And look, when it's your financial future, you need to be interested in it. You can't just sit back and go, oh, well, someone will take care of me because they won't. Absolutely. Look, ladies, thank you so much for today. I know it's been a really wonderful conversation and I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Selena James and Kylie McDonald, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Separation Guide podcast. If you're thinking about separating but aren't sure what steps to take next, take our free five-minute Q&A. It explains how divorce and separation work and helps connect you with experts and services to get you through the maze. Just head to theseparationguide.com.au. From podcasts to templates, our website also has plenty of free resources to get you started.